Live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's special Valentine's Day show, Kiss and Tell. May the narrative be with you. Well, it was toward the tail end of my second marriage, and the relationship was pretty much circling the drain, and my wife at the time very compassionately looked at me and said, Frank, you're really not the marrying kind, are you? And I had to admit that although I had had some practice at marriage and some long-term relationships, the truth was that I didn't seem to have the stick to itivity. I seemed to be missing something. And it either was a matter of a genetic glitch or it was some kind of dysfunction, some kind of a psychological dysfunction or something. And I knew very well that it wasn't a genetic glitch because I was familiar with love. I had fallen in love and I was familiar with it. When I was 12, I fell in love. It was the summer and I was at summer camp and I fell in love with this little gal by the name of Debbie. And one Friday night, we were at a party in the recreation hall and we held hands and we walked out the back door of the recreation hall down onto the lawn and we sat down on the lawn and she put her head in my lap and I, and I put my arms around her and we looked deep into each other's eyes. And this was the first time I had ever looked into a girl's eyes like that. They were wide and clear and open and smiling and I was astonished and I saw all these freckles on her face and this beautiful little cleft in her chin and I felt so close to her and I could hear all the music and the stomping of feet and laughter coming from the the recreation hall behind me and there was there were crickets chirping in the evening breeze and the breeze itself was just it caressed my body I could feel it it was midsummer and that that just that beautiful warm air and the lawn had been freshly mowed and it smelled fantastic. And I looked up at the night sky and the sky was black. There was no moon. But the, the, the Milky Way was just bursting forth out of the sky. It was brilliant. And I felt like looking at, at Debbie and holding on to her that I was connected to everything. That there was all of this immense beauty and everything was in harmony and I felt connected to all of it and I felt connected to her and I felt connected to myself and everything was right in the world. But I was 12 and, uh, <laughs> and I went to, you know, finish junior high school and high school and college and, uh, and I learned a few tricks. Basically, I was a serial monogamist. But, you know, what that meant was that I was always kind of on the lookout for the next, you know, the next woman, the next date, the next... And, and so I became manipulative and I was a little deceitful and I lied and I started to play the field and I had all of these bad habits. But when I graduated from college, I got a most amazing job. I got a job at Sarah Lawrence College in Bronxville, New York. Yes, which in those days was an all-girls school. And it was like, wow, I had died and gone to heaven. 
And there were all these, you know, bright, beautiful young women around. It was fantastic. And I fell in love with one of them. I fell in love with Abby. And she was bright as a whip and, and, and just talented and funny and sweet and sexy. And, and we just had a wonderful time. She was adventurous. and We went on little trips. We had a great time. And after eight months of being together, she dumped me. And I never knew why. I never knew why until 48 years later. <laughs> yeah, 48 years later, I had the opportunity to, to chat with her, and I said, what happened? And she said, Frank, she said, you broke my heart. I said, what? What, what, what did I do? She said, you know, you were my very first adult love, and you broke my heart. One night, I was sitting up on top of the dormitory with my roommate, Gail. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, and she and I were up there, and, and we were just surveying the world and talking philosophy, you know. And all of a sudden, we see you walking out of the next girl's dormitory at 3 o'clock in the morning, slinking off in the middle of the night. And there's one light on in that dormitory, and we knew whose room that was. And we knew that you and she had been flirting and that you were both interested in each other and you broke my heart. Well, I was dumbfounded. Dumbfounded first that she never told me, but even more so at the fact that I didn't even remember. It was like at that age I had already become so used to covering up and deceiving and, and playing my life this way that I just took it as a matter of course. I was broken hearted of course, but, but I, I had just lived that way. Well things only spiraled down from there because I moved to the West Coast and it was, it was the, you know, the hippie days. It was like flower children and it was free love, and it was, uh, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one you're with, yeah, love the one you're with. And I took it for gospel, you know, which just proves that we don't really know what gospel's all about because the fact is that these guys were, they were actually talking about love. They weren't talking about sex, but... That's kind of where I went with it. And so I had a series of relationships after that. And, uh, you know, I was, I was sneaky and I was manipulative and I, and I, and I hurt people and I hurt myself and, and things got worse and worse and worse. And, and finally, suddenly, there I was at the bottom of the barrel and everything was really dark. Well... I figured I had to do something. I had to do something because there I was, it was I was 67 years old and I, and I knew that although I had totally sabotaged my life, I knew that I had, to, I had to make it better. I had lost relationships. I had lost marriages. I had lost uh, stepchildren and step-grandchildren and extended families. I had lost money. I had lost friends. And I realized I had totally lost my self-respect. And even worse, that I had completely bankrupted myself spiritually. 
So what to do? Well, do what the, you know, the great sages tell you to do. So not really getting it, not really knowing, I just knew that I had to work on this. So I meditated more and I started doing more yoga with meditation and walks in the woods and I, and I got help from, from people and I had support group and I, and I mostly started to look at what it was in me, what was going on with me, what was happening with my with my emotional patterns, what was happening with my behavioral patterns, so that I could begin to understand who I was. And the more I looked, the more it started to open up a little bit, the more sense it started to make. And I started to feel a little more comfortable, a little more connected with myself and the rest of the world. And at one point it was like, it was like my heart opened up a little bit, and there was some light that came in. And I saw that light. And I thought, wow, that's it. That's, I got to go there. Like a moth to the flame, I got to go there and burst out into all that bright light. No way am I going back. Now this was a little scary because it means leaving a whole lot of stuff behind. It means leaving familiar patterns behind. It means being honest. And it means really facing life on life's terms. So I worked at it, and things were really getting better. Things were getting a lot better. I was feeling much better about myself and the world. But I was 67, and I was an old dog. And uh, with, a, with a really bad track record, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so, you know, I, I knew that, that this was not really a package here for uh, a relationship. Uh, and, and that was okay because I was connected to a lot of things that I was passionate about. I, I loved art and I loved photography and music and hikes in the woods and, and yoga and riding my bicycle. And I figured, you know, this is a decent trade-off. I'm feeling really good about the world and myself and life. And if, if it means living alone, by myself, that's, that's cool. I can, I can accept it because I was being connected to things. And right about this time, I get a phone call. I get a phone call from this gal named Jocelyn. And Jocelyn's in L.A. and she says, Frank, I'm coming up to uh, Portland to visit family. And uh, maybe we could get together and yak a little bit. Well, that sounded good. Jocelyn and I go back well, at that point, it was 25 years. Uh, we met 25 years ago. We were doing a piece of theater together. And when I met Jocelyn, she was a couple of years out of college, and I immediately, I, I checked this chick out and was like, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Oh, yeah, she's sweet. You know, those just clear eyes. It was almost like that, that memory of Debbie from the old days, you know just something very pure and sweet and wonderful about her and, and immediacy about her. And, uh, uh, and we had this fabulous uh, platonic relationship for years, you know, postcards every now and then or a New Year's greeting, something like that. Um, and I knew that when I first met her, I, I suddenly I felt protective about her. We, we had a, a little bit of, we got to know each other a little bit, and, I, and there was no way I was going to sully this relationship. Besides, I was married, and I was trying to make a go of it, you know? <laughs> so, so, 
but it was it was a great thing. It was like I, I felt like this was this was not only it wasn't just honorable, it was really sort of beautiful. It was really kind of sweet. And anyway, Jocelyn comes up to Portland and uh, she comes over to the house and I figure, okay, I'll make some dinner for us. And we're sitting in the living room and she's sitting in a chair over there and I'm sitting in this little love seat over here and we're talking about art or something, you know, for a while. And then suddenly Jocelyn gets up out of her chair and she walks over and she sits down right next to me and she's got her thigh right next to my thigh. And it's like, whoa. And I looked at her and I said, Jocelyn, uh, we've never sat this close together before. What's, what's up? And she looks at me and she says, Franklin, she said, we've never really been available at the same time before, have we? And I said, no, we never really have. And the fact is that we both knew that we were attracted to each other 25 years ago. So we started to see more of each other and uh, we spent a lot more time together, and I started thinking, wow, man, I, I am the luckiest guy in the world. How did this ever happen? This is amazing. And so, you know, being with her when she's around, I feel totally connected. I feel like, like it's happening right now. We're connected when she's gone, and we can talk to each other, or, you know, texting and all that. There's, there's that connection. There's that connection, and I, everything feels really good. And I realize that I have no idea what the future is going to bring, but I do know that the present with Jocelyn is just fantastic. Thank you.